maybe, maybe my favorite all-time song from high school ever. Well, my favorite song came on On the Way Up Here, which is California by Tupac and Trey. That's a good one, too. But this one just sets it does the hit. freaking tone. Let's it go. Does. Freaking tone. You like that? Oh, I it's love one of those it. Things. This was, uh, I was instructed by the guest today that uh, I don't care what you play just as long as it's hip-hop. So playing a little hip-hop on the way in. You down with that? And it read Drew Bertrand's up, pimp. <laughs> <laughs> and the red cheeks commence. We're back. Another episode of Soccer Dad Pod. Uh, been on a little bit of roll, both with episodes as well as uh, games, travel, um, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, let me get some thanks out of the way here because we're going to jump right into this episode here shortly. Um, Chris and Bill, love you guys. Oh, by the way, I spoke to Chris uh, via email. Since their freshman season is over over at CBC, because uh, I think they help out coach there too, and club season, they're coming. So we're going to we're gonna bring them on. That's good. And did the freshmen... Um, no, the answer is no. They did not. So their record's still intact? Yeah, the perfect wow. season is still intact. Um, Chris and Bill, thepinnacleloans.com. Check them out. Uh, market's moving. Need a house. They've got you. Uh, they got a network of agents, underwriters, etc. They make it easy, and that's what it's all about. Because none of us have time. None of us have time to do the work. Let them do the work. Agreed. Um, well, where do we start? Because um, a lot of things going on in the world of soccer, especially our world of soccer, both within our households and in our city. Uh, because we're dropping this thing probably two, three days after. City SC's final game of the year. Which one do you guys want to start? You want to bring it up? You want to talk I'll, about I'll it? I'll talk about it. I'm. Yeah, you can have it. I think, <clears throat> JB, you might have posted a poll on X, formerly known as Twitter, about do you want to see Kansas City, Kansas move all the way through, or do you want somebody else? And I actually voted for Kansas. What the, you, you were one of the two out I know, of seventy-eight. I know. I was in the minority, and here's why: I I've always, ever, forever rooted for the the team that beats us. That is to win. All right, we're going to debate this one right now. Uh, I just Jared, ha- always have. The choices were really simple. You probably saw the poll too. You, uh, Kansas because they beat us, or screw them, take the field. Yeah, I'm not taking Kansas of my pure yeah. hatred for them, and they're um, and I say it every time. I mean, it's bad barbecue and heavy chicks. Yeah, in that I don't order. Like sporting Kansas. It's actually in that order, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, here's the thing. the 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 game was. It is what it is. We we've all saw it. We all watched it. We were there for the first one uh, over the last sixty days. Little bit of a struggle. Uh, Kansas kind of was firing on all cylinders at just the right time. Uh, do you consider, here's a question for you guys, and um, in, shout out whoever wants to go first. Uh, was it still a successful season, as successful as it felt it was being and becoming in spite of the loss? Absolutely. I, I mean, watching Kansas play us in that second game, their first goal was a full team goal. It was beautiful to watch, even though it sucked for us. We still won the West. We still had a record that surpassed any expectations, and I think that's success. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go down your road. I'm going to take the bitterness away a little bit. Um, well, our body of work this year for an expansion team and, 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 and putting our stamp on the league from the, from the 
first across five. the street to the first five games through the way the year went. I think um, our organization is ahead of the game for an expansion team after year one because a we've been it we've been there we know what it takes. Um, there'll be there'll be hangovers from this last year's team, and I think that our front office will get hungry. Um, we will make changes. We will get better all across the field. We will hopefully spend money. Um, Without question, it's it, I, I I mark it down as a, as a successful year. Successful so so year. here's here's my pinnacle point of the day: uh, rivalries. Uh, they are critical. They are necessary, and they should not be friendly. Is my take. Yeah. Um, you know because you you guys saw it. You know what happened after the game. Um, I had two choices as a human and as the manager of our social media uh, to either tuck tail, tuck tail turn off all my devices or flip the laptop up and see what's going on on X. And I've got a lot of fans out there. <laughs> and a lot of non-fans. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a blue wave coming our way. You saw it. You yeah, We deserved um, it. <clears throat> but, I mean, we did. But well, yeah. Here's my issue with that, though, JB. I think what pisses me off about the whole thing is that where were those people five months ago? Oh, yeah. No, no. So that, that's where I'm that's going with That's what this. I don't like about so, it. So I'm going to come full circle. The point of my the point of my point of the day is if you're going to have a rivalry, and I think rivalries are critical, whether it's CYC or high school or whatever level you play at, especially at the pro level, you have to have a rival that it, it can't be kind of a group hug after the fat fact and then, oh, let's go back to hating each other in the spring. No, you should hate them all the time. 365. Yep. And here. those guys that were coming at us, they were quiet. Well, they are the ones that kept saying, there's no such thing as a rivalry. We can't have a rivalry this early. And now, even the announcers like our own friend, Mr. Twelman, oh, it's a definite rivalry now. It's like, well, come on, man. Like, what does it do when we go, if, in fact, the, the chips fall where they fall? When San Diego's added, what does this rivalry mean if we, we go, go to the east? east? It means we still hate them. We'll just have a new rival in and the we'll east play being every Chicago. Year, maybe. It'll be more of a friendly <clears throat> rivalry. I still, I think, still... We, that Nashville will be our more natural rival if we go the yeah, East. Yeah, and we're on record. JB thinks Chicago, and I don't think, you know, if we are successful and let's say we are in the top of the East potentially and, you know, we're going to hit speed bumps years and we're going to go through ebbs and flows. To me, our rivalry is if we're successful, who's ever in the spot right yep. ahead of us or before us. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still thinking of Kansas people. <laughs> uh, Zach, number two, what you got? Just travel. I think our boys have a game, two games up in Michigan the second time, third time this year. And we get to go to Michigan. Then we get to go to Chicago. Then we get to go to Phoenix. And then we've got some tournaments in the spring. And we get to go to potentially a new venue for the uh, MLS Next Cup. And I'm just excited. I, I love doing it. I love to watch these boys play. I love getting out in different cities and hanging out with you guys. And that's, that's well, my pinnacle point. Well, the fun part is the, is the games and the houses and the dinners, right? But let's get to you started with travel. Traveling sucks. Airports yeah, the getting suck. to it, not great. Ubers, et cetera, <laughs> like all of it. Like, I mean, is it, what's worse? I-70 driving to Kansas. I don't and, know. We had, and seven thousand people in the left lane. Now, this or, could be, you guys might tell me I'm wrong. What's that? But we had a four-hour ride to Indianapolis last weekend, and a four-hour ride back. 
I thought it was a fun time. I thought I had a fun time, but I had third degree burns all over my body, so I was hurting. <laughs> well, that's a different story that we still haven't we still haven't covered on this, and I don't think today's the day to do uh, it. Yeah, we won't cover it today, but we'll bring it up eventually. So my, I agree, Zach. Um, to, to to piggyback on it your is point, fun. it is fun. Um, it it, it is fun, and, and I the the whole um. What's the right word? The whole just um, experience from the travel, from the hotel, from yeah. f- from the from the restaurant, and, and then it's kind of nice that we're kind of have some freedom. I can't wait to go to Milwaukee to go to that Bavarian uh, oh, beer house. Cool. Yeah, you know I'm that's looking. Fun. I got a check mark on that trip in the spring. Yep. So my pinnacle point three is a little bit different from soccer, which we got we we got some excellent guests on today. Oh, yeah. it, it has nothing to do with them. suspect. But let we'll me tell you out. this. Um, our generation, our era. I think our wives, a lot of our listeners, grew up with that friends group. Oh, yeah. and Matthew Perry passes um, a Chandler week ago. Bing, Ch- Mr. Chandler Bing. Um, what an unbelievable story that guy is. So my wife um, and I highly recommend it because I'm actually gonna. I'm not gonna read the book. I'm gonna listen to it on the audio. Wait, 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 wait. Does it have anything to do with the Hallmark Channel? No. Okay, Matthew I'm Perry in. has a memoir out. <laughs> yeah. And it there some some information that he releases in there is shocking. At one point, he was taking fifty five Vicodin a day, fifty five. He um, he in his lifetime he spent over seven million dollars on rehab. So he had a disease. He was sick. It, he was very candid in his memoir. I cannot wait to listen. I know you'll yeah, listen to uh-oh. it. He 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 went. Um, he he's had eleven visits to rehab. <clears throat> listen to this. His colon exploded one time when he was in rehab. They wouldn't let him go to the hospital until his friend, his assistant, his best friend, was like, he is not faking because they were like, he's just faking it. He wants to go to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, his colon exploded. The doctor said he has like a 2% chance to live. He was in a coma for five days. He was in, he was in the hospital for over five months. He, uh, here's another interesting story, and then we'll move on. He, he was spending like thousands of dollars a day on medication that he was being prescribed and so he flew to switzerland and they were trying to wean him off of it and he was taking just an an, an exorbitant exorbitant amount of, of of medication because he was sick what? um pain medication um switzerland was prescribing him so they sent him back to california and the cal and the lady was like i can't prescribe you this i i you know so that day he got on he got on the um, a plane and went right back to Switzerland just to feed his habit. He, and he says, and it's really like the people that watch the Friends episodes. His body weight fluctuated like between a hundred and one hundred and thirty pounds to two hundred and thirty pounds within the Friends episode. Oh, you can see it in like, different seasons. And he he says he was never high or drunk ever on taping a Friends episode. But he battled the demons through his whole yeah. life, and and well, he lost. He did at lose. the end of the day. He lost. <clears throat> What's crazy for me is he's fifty. He was fifty-four when he died. I always thought of them as so much older than us because they were so popular when we were like in high school and college. He was fifty-four. That's nine years, not even ten years older than us. I'm not yeah. a huge fr- friends guy, but like, and I know this because of pop culture. So he was getting married at, 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 on a season finale, and. And so they picked up in the next season at the same wedding. Right. 
He was he he said you can tell in the show yes. if you know he was he weighed fifty pounds different from the from the season finale to the next year's uh, season insane. opening episode where it was a, like a wedding scene. He said he had to wear the same gear, and he said the, the gear when he was fifty pounds less was just hanging on him. So Kelly's like, let's wow. go watch it. I'm like, nah, you can watch it. <laughs> tell me about it. Well, we're gonna go to a quick break refill on that up. Up note. <laughs> say no to Bings. drugs, kids. Yes, say <laughs> no to drugs. Uh, Chris and Bill, ThePinnacleLoans.com. Thanks for the support. Uh, also, I want to mention, uh, we got a new friend of the show that we're going to be working with also, and that is the indoor soccer team out there at uh, Family Arena. The Ambush. The Ambush. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Shelly and team over there, we're going to start doing things with them. Their season's kicking off here in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're rolling out new ticket packages and stuff. Uh, regular season's over. You still want to see some soccer and go drink some cold beer inside? Family Arena. Ambush Love game's it. coming up. On the flip side, we will have our guests who have been dreading this day for a year. Uh, we'll have a little bit of fun with that. You guys ready? I can't wait. All right, we're over here at Mellow Mushroom in Chesterfield Valley. Also, you know, I want to thank them, uh, Mr. Burke and team over here. Uh, place is killer, great food. Check them out. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit ThePinnacleLoans.com That's ThePinnacleLoans.com Simply the best in home loans. I'm Max and I'm 9 years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. We're back. How do Jared, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I like the music, uh, but I think we're going like kind of our generation of hip hop. Yeah, we need Metro. I, we need Drake singing like right. hap- I mean, jeez. <laughs> I, I I mean, I'm I'm feeding off of what I'm assuming uh, is okay with these guys. You guys good with this? Everybody, say hello. Say hello, boys. Hello, Al- podcast. Hello, podcast. Who who's up next? Ah, uh, what's up? <laughs> and there's three. We got three. We got three guests today uh, that are partially responsible for the podcast. So you guys can actually thank yourselves for uh, joining us today. Yeah, this is your fault. It is your fault. We spend so much time on the sidelines, driving you guys around, watching, trying to 
map your paths out. And here you are. So let's go around the table. We'll go, we'll go left to right just to keep it simple. My left. Who, 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 who's up first? Go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm Beckett. Uh, I'm 15, son of JB. And uh, Dad. Yeah. And Kim with two M's. Yeah. You can't leave yeah. her out. And Kim. The better half. And it's mom with one M. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next. What's up? I'm Grady, and I am the son of Zach. Third, but not least, Drew Bertrand. I'm the son of Jared. And a uh, fun fact about me is I play soccer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. I didn't even have that in my notes. Did you jot that down? I got it down. We'll put that in the... Uh, the It'll uh, be in the bio for the Wikipedia. Yeah, the, the coffee table edition. Yep. It'll be in that one. Uh, boys, thank you for joining us. Um, we obviously... This is episode... Oh, my goodness. 98? 98. 98 times. 97 previous times we spent roughly an hour with guests talking about the game we all love, and here you are. And <clears throat> I just want to let's start with your thoughts on the show, because I know <laughs> all three of you, uh, to some degree, have listened. Well, they certainly have thoughts. I don't know how much they've listened. Oh, no, I want the thoughts. This is, yeah. this is a no-holds-barred. Consider this free therapy. <laughs> say whatever you want to say. Who wants to go first? What do, you th- what do you think about the show? Who's up? Go ahead. Um, I'd say, I'd say it's pretty cool. I mean, there's definitely some cool guests. I mean, overall it's a, it's a solid, solid show. I don't listen to every one of the episodes, but I'll give her a good listen every now and then. Yeah. I don't listen to any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey Drew, thanks for the compliment because, and I think JB tags our show. It, I think he says we're mid table dads with top flight guests, top flight guests. So I think you kind of. You kind of said it, and, and thanks for the compliment, boys. Yeah, yeah. A, sh- a show featuring top flight guests interviewed by mid-table dads. That's right. Yeah, well nice said. Nice little tagline. Grady, what do you think, man? I-, I like it. I think it's cool. Do you listen? I I listen to the ones I'm kind of like forced to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. It's cool. I'm forced to listen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ha- have, I mean have any of the three of you ever listened to it independently no. of riding in the car with somebody else playing uh, it? No. I've listened to it with Actually, my uh, before. I, I've listened to one, I think. Okay. On your own? I I think so, yeah. Oh. Well, with my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get the play-by-play by uh, dad over here. Me? Yeah. I also do get a recap, little yeah. summary of the whole podcast. I don't listen to them. I mean, I mean I've talked to my co-hosts here previously. Like, I don't listen. I, I think I've listened to one all the way through of a re-recording or a play. I listen to the ones that I'm not on so I can critique you guys. <laughs> uh, you mean like uh, Monkey House? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you, you were heard, screaming you heard at the that. radio. I was screaming into the radio when they were trying to describe what the Monkey House was called at the zoo. And I kept <laughs> saying, it's the primate house. The primate house. And you guys were like, Monkey House or the Ape House or... <laughs> Well, you texted primate house, you dumb asses. Actually, I just said dummies. Yeah, well, and let then me ask you this: Is a monkey a primate? Yes. Oh my God! Why can't you call? It, <laughs> okay. I, I already knew the answer. To Can that. we? Yeah. Why can't you just call it the monkey house? Because there are center. other there are other primates that are not monkeys that are in there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> hey, uh, let, let's talk a little soccer. Let's yeah. go. Let's go back in time. Um, you know, because the, the listeners of the show they know. <clears throat> 
We've we've talked about it. Your current positions, your current club, U16 City Academy. You guys have grinded for a long, long time to get there. So let's go back to some of the earlier days. Um, uh, club, you know, when when you, how old were you when you remember really loving the game? Where were you? Uh, where where'd you get to start? Drew, you go first. Um, started playing for a little local team, St. Patrick's soccer team. Scored a goal in my first ever game, but. Throughout most of my youth career, I played for St. Louis Scott Gallagher, one of the best clubs in the whole country. How, how old were you when, when you went to Gallagher? Uh, I'd say around 10 years old, probably. I think that's right, about 10. So you kept it purely rec up till then, or well, multi-sports? What, what he did, his timeline is he started in St. Pat's, like kind of pre-K, whatever age that is and then that group kind of said let's get more serious and then they did like you would like this they were the chelsea blues uh they were just called the blues but they had kind of had a fake Boom. chelsea sign and then we kind of matriculated over to norco for a year and then a lot of those kids got plucked from that team straight over to the classic gallagher's got it grady how old were you when you started uh a little fo football action uh I've been playing it as long as I can remember, but I remember I started on, I think it was called like the Noodles or something. Yeah, the first team was an indoor team called the Noodles were you in they the, wore yellow. Were you in the yeah. Wiggles division? <laughs> um, That's yeah. one of your dad's nicknames, too. <laughs> um, uh, I, how, how old? Uh, I was... Probably four or five. Yeah, I was really young. Oh, a little good. Kind of like right after Kickaroo yeah. level, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I played at Gallagher for a little bit, for like two years or three years. And then he asked me if I wanted to play on like a rec team with my friends. So I did that for three or four years after that. Um, and who was your coach over there? My dad and Greg Shaw. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then what age, what age were you when you landed back at Gallagher? I'd say, I think it was 10. Right around 10? Nine. Yeah. I think um, nine. And I, the funny thing, though, is I don't even know if my parents know the story, but the thing that actually made me really like soccer was before school, like elementary school, I would get my ball put in my backpack, and I would go, to, go up to, like, the top of my hill. Uh, there was, like, this hill that you could go up to. And me and all the kids on my bus would just play right before. And every single time, someone would kick the ball, it would roll all the way down the hill while the bus would be waiting for us. We'd have to go grab it, run all the way back. We did it every single, every so, single day before school. So you're saying you were the last one on the bus then, too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it's carried on <laughs> from then. <laughs> now we know. Beckett, uh, youth soccer pathway. How yeah, old were you? Uh, I was probably four or five when I started at, I think it was better first. Just a little kick arounds, and uh, that that wasn't an organized team. Uh, it's just training. But then I went to Webster Grove Soccer Club. You're up the orange, what? orange and black. Yeah, six, seven ish. Yeah. Uh, played on a real team there, indoor and out. Um, played with all my elementary, uh, all my old friends, and uh, then after that, moved to Gallagher at about eight or nine ish uh and started off at uh ever oh, what was it uh juventus first gallagher team there for a while 
Um, I think I played at Gallagher for, she had to be like six, seven years. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, now we're here. And now you guys are all at City. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have a, a question, and we're not going to go in order, but I would love to understand kind of your, your favorite soccer memory outside of City. Because City is the current, right? All of you played for Gallagher at one point or another, but all of you have also played for some random teams and gone on some random trips. Yeah. Independent clubs and yep. futsal. Camps and, and yep. trips to... Europe or wherever. So I would love to un hear you guys kind of your favorite soccer memory outside of, and you guys can just go, chime in and go yeah, in already. Yeah, yeah, I got one. So my favorite soccer memory was probably at Gallagher while on premiere under Derek Zuniga. Um, our state cup what was it semifinal game. This was uh, th four years ago now. And uh, I remember we were playing against Lou Fuse, their top team. And uh, the final of that game ended up being 2-2, and we didn't make it to the final. But I, uh, I scored both goals as a center back. Uh, I think it's set nice. piece. Uh, both set piece goals, free kick and a penalty. Nice. But, yeah, that was, that was a great experience. I got to wear the armband in that game. and. Just it was fun playing with my friends and cool. Yeah. Uh, Grady, I, I can go. Um, it was a I think it was like a Easter tournament or something in uh, I want to say I think it was in Florida and I had a hamstring injury. Well, not an injury, but it was bad. Like I couldn't play. And whole tournament uh, before the final, I was finally like getting the hang of it, getting really good, working, and I couldn't play in the final because my hamstring. Um, but I remember in the final, I wanted to play so bad, and I couldn't do anything about, like, the score or anything about the game. But in the last, like, five minutes of the game, I think it was 3-2 two, two, or 3-3. Three, three. Lorenzo gets it. Lorenzo Cornelius, who I'm sure most people know, um, playing with the 17s right now, um, he <laughs> just takes it on his left, and he says, I just took put on my left, and I hit it, like, 30 yards out. And I just remember us all running to the corner, and I couldn't, I couldn't run. So I was like trying to limp over there, trying to celebrate with everyone. But that was, that was probably like so, my favorite moment. <clears throat> so a team moment. Yeah. That's fairly unselfish of you, Grady. To be honest, if that's the memory you bring up, kudos. I'm, I'm taking notes here. That was a good one. Back, it's like yeah, I scored cool two goals in a tie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great, uh, Drew, what do you got, man? You, a youth memory that stands out to you. Um. Last couple games with Gallagher, we were in Dallas, I believe. Oh, yeah. um, ended up going into the into the showcase with a couple players short. Had to oh. stay home due to some things, yeah. and uh, we ended up coming out with some really big wins against some really big academies. Sacramento Republic, never forget that. Yeah, pulled it out. Scored maybe five minutes left or so. Yeah, and. Just won our last game ever at Gallagher. That's 105, awesome. and I think uh, yeah. I think you know 105, three straight games in three days, and heat was unbearable all days. And I think at the last of it with concussions and injuries, no subs, no subs, no subs. No subs. Well, let me let me ask you guys, um, you know, because that story ties into a question I have for you, and that's in regards to coaching. And I'm going to start it at kind of the second to last 
first, and that is Coach uh, Lenny Leonard, Tim yeah. Leonard. I was, I was um, actually, yeah. Because the three of you, over the last two years prior to City, you know, you were you were, you were at Gallagher playing with the academy, <clears throat> and Coach Leonard was there. I just kind of. Uh, spitball here sling out your answers just initial thoughts of what coach Leonard meant to you during those years to you specifically not necessarily the team uh, Drew you went go ahead and you go first this time he's one of the coolest people I've ever met in my whole life he's he's probably the nicest coach I've ever had he's just so positive uplifting great guy always wants to help I remember um, last game of the season, actually, he after the game, he sat there and cried and told us about how awesome his last two years were with us, and just really meant a lot to myself and the team. I think. Yeah, Grady, I, Grady what about you? I was going to add on to that actually. Uh, <clears throat> it, I t I learned a lot that year. Um, I was I have like a big problem with getting in my head after I miss something, something like that, anything. And I never understood why I wouldn't get any feedback from coach and I was always so frustrated because I wanted to learn how to get better. And he kinda just I, I learned at the end of the season that he was letting us figure things out on our own. And at that last game uh, against Sacramento, when he was in a he was in a very emotional guy. He didn't talk a lot. Right uh, to the team, but that last game, when he opened up, it just made me kind of like I realized what, everything. What, was it kind of the, yeah? Was it was it like a aha moment for you? Like you know, I, I you, wasn't you, I wasn't expecting it at all, to be honest. I I mean I always thought he was cool, but I never even thought he really was like emotionally there for us all the time. And then when he did that, it showed how much he really. Wait, was cared. it like your life was flashing in front of your yeah. eyes? Like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, now, now I, get I get everything it. that he did. Yeah. Becca, what about you and Coach yeah, Linda? so I had him for just a year. Um, but, man, he taught me so much. And he, he knows shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, so that is Beckett, Kim with two M's, son. She's also known as a pirate. Man, his, his soccer knowledge, though, is just unbelievable. Like, looking back on it, the things he taught me, the small details, and, like, it's just unbelievable because he, he just, yeah. You guys, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play this game and, and kind of walked your guys's in kind of your footsteps previously. Um, you know, the one thing that I think what you're kind of saying, Beckett, is that um, you really don't fully appreciate the people that you're surrounded with. And so after the fact, yeah. um, and, and, you know, and this is real easy to say word of advice type stuff is, is really um, take it all in and enjoy the moment type deal because there are 10 coaches, you know, that I had from your age to 15 and beyond that I now realize how important they are and how awesome they were. And I remember even the coaches that I had that were hard on me you know, at your age or before or after, it's like, God, would this guy leave me alone? And and it, it, it's refreshing that you came out and said, you know, I just that guy was awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just in in the moment when you're. 
just being coached at the time, you just hyper focus on what's going on right at the moment, and you never take a second to look at the bigger picture and yeah. what they're really teaching you. And so, so I have a question. I want to start with Grady on this one, and and that is, I'm going to stay in the realm of coaching and kind of uh, guidance slash leadership slash soccer education. Um, you know, because all players are different. You know, you, you, you get a roster of 18, 22, 23, 24 in your guys' case now. You've got a lot of different personalities and every personality is different just overall, you know. Uh, but specifically when it comes to coaches, for you, like historically, because you've had a lot of different really high-level coaches in different environments, is there like a characteristic that you feel works best for you that you realize is a benefit um, for your playing style? Um, well, I actually, that's a great question because I used to think it was aggressive, hard on me all the time because I had Ren, who I'm sure most of you know. Uh, he was a very hard coach. He, if, if we were losing, he would get on his phone and lay on the bench <laughs> and he wouldn't watch the game <laughs> if we were losing. And I always took the feedback and I took everything he said to heart. Um, but now that I have uh, Anthony and Sean, they're both c- complete opposites almost. Anthony's kind of a laid back. He can be aggressive when he needs to, but Sean can be aggressive too. So you kind of have Sean who's aggressive, Anthony who's a little laid back. So it's good kind of having both of both worlds, I guess. Um, so, Drew, yeah. Drew, what about you? What kind of coaching style do you feel? Because, I mean, you guys are, we have three 15-year-olds here. Uh, at 15 years old, having played at a high level now for a number of years, what type of coach do you feel that you react to at this stage of your development? Um, I want my coaches to be as hard on me as possible. I think it's just the best way to develop for myself because I mean, they're just helping you out, telling you what to do. That's that's all I could ask for. I mean, I wanna I wanna be told exactly what I need to do. Becca, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm the same. I like I like a coach that's hard on me. Um, I've had a lot of laid back coaches, I'd say, uh, that can be hard at times. But I think, for, for example, we had a training last year with uh, John Hackworth, and. Uh, Man, he was hard on. Like he came out and he just. <laughs> you guys all walked out of the locker room with tears. Like, yeah, oh my I, God, that's he, the real deal. He got on me, like he started yelling at me, like in the middle of drill. I wasn't marking my guy, and uh, he just let it rip. And that was the first time I really experienced that. And for for the rest of the training, like it was just in my head. And then the next day, I come out and I think I had one of the best trainings I've had because I. Like, I was being pushed, and I think that helped me a lot. Zach, what you got? I know we've got a few minutes left before the break, but one of the questions I wanted to ask, because all three of you have gone through this. All three of you have had some significant injuries in the past. And I look at that, and I wonder how in the world you get back up and get back to a level where you're competing again and the mentality it takes. And so I love just to hear and you don't all have to answer this but just what did it take for you to get through it to get that confidence back out there to to go and and continue to play and not worry about getting re-injured or are you going to lose your spot just kind of that that mentality you needed to get back out there and do what you need 
to do. Go ahead, Beckett. Yeah, so I had a uh, stress fracture in my spine towards the end of my last season at Gallagher. And I missed the whole Dallas trip and that whole experience. And that was not fun. You know, I, I went out and I wanted to be on the field so bad. And, like, just sitting on the bench was terrible. But at the same time, while I was sitting there, I was sitting next to uh, Steve Trichu and Tim Leonard. So <laughs> I could get a little, like, both of them talked to me while on the bench about just Things to Tactics, take away. Yeah, exactly. you know, stuff like that things in the to game take away. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, that that summer was rough for me because I, I was just prepared to train all summer, and then I couldn't do it. I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. And couldn't then, swim. Yeah. Couldn't, yeah. Couldn't, nothing. couldn't ride a bike. Yeah. And uh, going into that first season of City was tough because I, I wasn't ready. I, I couldn't train for the first month or so with the team i just had to go and watch help pick up cones that kind of thing i think at the time it sucked but looking back on it i think it helped me a lot because it like just the the mental toughness being able to push through moments like that and then when i did start training again i was totally in my head at first like not thinking i'd be back to where i was and just push the bar but um as i kept training and pushing through it looking back on it now like mm. i'm so happy that happened because I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be the same person i was well let me ask drew the the injury question because you you were in a posi- uh, situation <clears throat> last year you know at at city where you know there's significant competition every single kid on the team is a good player right and you know you guys are in an age where it's you want to play right you just want to play the game and you know you you take the knock and you have to watch you know the other individuals play and how did you mentally deal with both watching everybody else participate and then to Zach's point you know dealing with the injury at the same time I think it's just the love for the game like it's all about it's all about passion like you just you're just so anxious watching on the sideline. You want to get back out there, <clears throat> play with your best friends and the, your favorite game in the world. And yeah, I mean, did just, did, did it motivate you? Yeah, did, it's definitely motivating. I mean, you don't realize how much you love the game until it gets taken right from your hands, and you can't. You're forced to not play while all your best friends are out there having the time of their lives, and then you just want to get back out there. Yeah. Grady, what about you? How do you how do you recover from a injury and having to watch? Uh, well, I've never had like a significant in- injury. The only thing I really had was kind of my lower back, um, and I couldn't injure it, but it definitely hurt really bad. And I sat out for a little bit sometimes. Um, but the one thing for me was like Beckett said, and like Drew said, it's just like the love for the game, and then also. You learn so much on the sideline. Like, it, City, I, I had my kind of injury during the City tryout, so I tried to play through it as much as I could because I thought I wasn't going to make it. So for me, it was very motivating because yeah. I kept working <clears throat> after because I didn't really think I had a chance. But. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jared. No, I, I think another thing that needs to be said about these injuries 
and I can just speak for Kelly and I because Drew, what he did is he sprained his ACL and he was out for like eight or nine weeks. And I, uh, and you guys can speak on this, but for me, um, I was worried about his mentality first and foremost. Yep. Like, um, you know, A, you go from the, it's like a roller coaster. You don't want him to be pitiful, poor me. But then you want him to stay positive and do the things necessary to get back on the field, and then and this goes for boys and girls, and then and then you get through that, and then you're like, where's his headspace at? Because a he can't. It's a long road. I mean that that cracks uh, that that fracture in your spine. I mean that isn't a sprained ankle. That isn't some <laughs> no. some some minuscule injury. Um, <clears throat> until we got the diagnosis, we thought the sprain in the ACL was different. Um, I, how, how did you, I guess this is part of Zach's question, H- how did you stay positive during that time, you know, and you were probably sick of me coming down there and be like, you okay, you need anything, how you doing? <laughs> like, because, I, you know, you're just kind of down in your room or in your room hanging out because when you're not training or not rehabbing, there's really nothing to do. So uh, speak on that part of the injury. Well, um, the time of the year, I, I got really fortunate because the time of the year that I got injured was in December where you get a couple weeks of off time. So you're not really missing a whole lot, but um, during the early parts of getting back into the spring season, I missed maybe two three weeks coming back into it. I think positive, positive uh, teammates, coaches, just surrounded. I mean, they, they just help a lot and that's something you can't take for granted. Well, let me, let me shift the question up a little bit because you guys have been lucky um, to be part of uh, not only physical, technical, tactical training, you guys have also been privy to uh, mental training as well, which is something that, you know, across youth sports in general, uh, there's not a lot of attention that's spent on, you know, the, the mental side of preparing for mindset growth mindset stuff like that so what i'd like to do is just kind of ask you guys and anybody can just chime in you know you guys have been uh going through mindset training um how has it initially uh affected and or benefited or maybe confused you as it applies to your your soccer path yeah i think I think the mental side of the game is by far, like, the hardest part of the game. Like, the physical and technical skills, that comes with time. Um, but the mental, like, some players never develop that strong mentality that's so hard to come across. And uh, I think with Soccer Resilience, the program we've been with, um, that they've given us certain... Uh, things to think about, I think. And uh, it, it could be as simple as taking a deep breath after a mistake and trying to look past it. Um, but they just uh, try, trying to make us always think with a growth mindset and like just not overthink. I think when you overthink and uh, just can't move past a mistake and everything, it's like, it, get, it gets to you and it affects your game tremendously. Like, I've been through ups and downs mentally where it's just been so difficult because I feel like I'm not this great player and then I go out and have a good night and then it goes up and down and up and down. I think with 
the things Sac Resilience is trying to teach us, if we can apply it into our everyday like trainings and games, it's gonna it's gonna help us tremendously. Drew, what about you? I think it's probably the most important part of the game. I mean, at at our level, everybody in our team has the capability to do all the physical, all all the physical things. I mean, they can connect a pass, score a goal. Everybody can do it. It's just who has the better overall mindset to just get through the season. Grady, let me ask you a question. Um, it, if somebody were to say, ask you to define a positive mindset or you know, what mindset is as it applies to soccer in your world, how would you describe it? Just a growth mindset. Just being able to move on past things and always take like the positive outcome from everything. Uh, if you have a bad game, you look back at your mistakes. Why did I have a bad game? If I had a good game, why did I have a good game? And just kind of keep it going. Yeah, I think the biggest part of a bad game is how you come out the next day. Like, bad games happen with the, the best players in the world. Like, But all the best, they come out and they raise the level the next game. And I think that's what a growth mindset is. Being able to look past the mistakes and just the bad habits and everything and just push through. And so, so if you guys were consultants or coaches, assistant coaches for a <clears throat> U7 recreational CYC league and you see kids flipping out because they're having a bad game, what, what would you say to them from a mindset standpoint? Drew, you go first. Be like a goldfish. You got to just, <laughs> just have a short-term, short-term memory. Forget about the bad things. Move on get the next play well and, I, and I'll say this for him specifically just being a dad and, and, and everybody that's listening that has kids playing you're so zoned in on your kid and how they react um, from that under seven age group to where it was fun to where it became more competitive to where it is now he used to freak out every time you could see it on his face his body language and nobody's perfect at it and he can always get better everybody can but he has a hundred degree, hundred percent improvement on, you know, this game that we're playing. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I mean, it's you make mistakes all the time, and how you can move forward, and you've gotten much better at that. And, I, and kudos to you. Go ahead, Grady. Uh, I just want to go back to that, to what Drew said real quick. Uh, be a goldfish. That Ted Lasso. If you are a soccer player that travels that. Uh, struggles with a little bit of the mental side you gotta watch that watch show that, <laughs> that, yeah. that show helped me so much um, and I thought it was gonna be some stupid show cause he made me watch it and <laughs> so I was like oh this is gonna I, suck wow. suspect because yeah. I mean he didn't like the grade either so yeah you know, it's really I mean, you know, he's, got a, he's got some bad taste so I tried it out and yeah Touche. I, that's yeah. <laughs> I have started that season finale three times now the great still haven't gotten through it well that's your problem Coach What's Anderson, it? Coach Anderson, what do you say to the U7s whenever they walk off all pissed off and kicking cans? You know, I think it, there's ups and downs with that because it shows that they care, and uh, I would rather have a kid like that than a kid that just doesn't care and goes and has fun afterwards. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you don't want to beat yourself up, but at the same time, it shows passion. There you go. Yeah, you got to have a little balance between that yeah. passion and the moving forward part. 
Because I think a lot of coaches, even even Lenny, would say he does some things to just mess with kids to see how they react. You know, and I think a lot of coaches will try that. So you got to be prepared to to handle that adversity, and then us parents just suffer through it. Well, here's what we do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some refills out here at Mellow Mushroom. We're going to be back with the boys. We're going to ask them uh, <clears throat> meaning of life, uh, how they're going to pay us back for all these uh, trips we've <laughs> dropped dough on and more. And dreams. Hold on a second. You know, and dreams. We need to, we need to, you know, what, what are their goals? Yeah. Their go- goal better be to buy me a freaking retirement home or something, you know? <laughs> go fishing, boat. What do you say, Becky? You going to give me a boat? Ferrari. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after the break. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Which that, that blazer was coming out Sunday. It was. Except for I was in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we we're going to be there anyway. Are we going where? Michigan. Oh, yeah, that's Michigan. right. Going up north. Shifting gears up. Shifting gears up a little bit here. Second half. Time to chill out a little bit. Enough hip hop. Becca, what do you think? You down with this one? Yeah, I love Zach Bryan. Who likes Zach Bryan at this table? Anybody? Oh, come on. Yeah, I think know. all of his songs <laughs> are the same. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe Some it? Some of them are good, though. He said it. Yeah. I but know. hey. It's all right. Your dad thinks Chris Stapleton isn't the greatest country singer of all time either. No, it's not even close. He needs to be in business for 10, 15 more years to, to combat the greats. Who's the best? I'll take George Strait over him. I'll take Garth Brooks over him. I, Garth, I put, yeah. George. I'll take George Jones over him. Over I'll Chris take, Stapleton's voice. I'm talking about voice, not career. Chris Stapleton's voice is good. <laughs> okay, thank you. Becca, Chris Stapleton and George Strait. Uh, Chris Stapleton. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> We're back. I think this guy would say Morgan Wallen. Oh, yeah, I would oh say Morgan my, Wallen oh right my now. God. But uh, I would take Chris Stapleton over George Strait just because and I think Chris Stapleton Wallen. still has music like somewhat modern. Like yeah. he's on a Morgan Wallen song every now and then. He writes this. <laughs> That's why Morgan Wallen can't write. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Uh, hey, no, it's true. <laughs> hey, here I want to. I want to get into. I want to get into something that's really kind of been eating at me, and this is due to some behind-the-scenes debates that occur. Um, uh, because you guys are, you guys are in the meat of it, the thick of it, and that is the current environment of uh, for teenagers that play soccer on both the men's and the women's side. You guys have choices now. Um, academies exist. Uh, ECNL is accelerating on the girls' side. There's GA. And then 
you guys all go to school, right? So there's the schools that you go to, and those schools have teams as well. Uh, and everybody knows, for the most part, that listens to the show that kids that play academy are not allowed to play high school. And I don't want to get into the debate of which is better or more important, because I'm pretty sure I know your opinions on that. What I want to ask you guys about, though, is more in the realm of kind of defining or acknowledging your your own personal goals, what makes you happy. Because a lot of the older individuals that don't like academies and, you know, defend the high school experience, they say that kids like you are missing out, that you're missing out on an experience, that you're missing out on opportunity and friendships. And it occurred to me that one thing that we haven't done, none of us adults that are debating this thing, has actually asked kids, what do you think about that? I love what, this. What What is important to you as a player? Now, you guys, look, full disclosure, you guys are going to disclose this. You're on the academy, so you already know right now you're, you can't play high school. But my question to you is, what motivates you? What 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 experiences are you looking to fill in your own souls, in your own bodies, that might not be playing in front of high school fans or, 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 or maybe you do miss that. So what do you guys, or just, just kind of to reframe it a little bit, just what are your thoughts about the fact that you are at an institute, you know, you, you t talk about no. your school. I mean, tell your, what, where, what school you go to and then answer JB's question. Uh, I'll go. Um, honestly, it's, it's not really even a debate for me a lot because like we were all like all strangers. When I first joined Gallagher, I didn't know a single kid on that team. Not a single one. And now I can say that I have best friends. Like I have best friends <clears throat> that I would love to hang out with outside of school, outside of practice, any day of the week. So for me, it's like, oh, if I get to play high school, yeah, I have high school friends. But I would rather play with my friends at City. What, what about you, Drew? You know, the whole concept of missing an experience, a team experience. You know, you, you just witnessed the other night, or you know, team, you know, kids in your school, St. Dom, they just lost to Liberty in the district final or whatever, whatever round that was. You know, and there's, there's, we all see the videos. You know, I don't care what the high school is. You know, kids win, classmates run onto the field. Is there anything about that that you feel you're missing and or are you just simply filling it with a lot of other experiences? Well, I mean, I've thought about it multiple times, but I just, for me, it's, it's just about being the best, and I think the academy is the better route. So that's what I chose to do. But, I mean, yeah, it, I can miss out on some school things. I, I have friends to make in school that I do make in school, and then I have friends to make in soccer outside of school that I do. So, I mean, just because I'm missing out on friends at school with high school sports doesn't mean I can't have friends, like Grady said, with, at uh, club soccer. Yeah, I think socially at school, when, when you're playing on a high school soccer team. Stay on the mic. Uh, when you're playing on a high school soccer team, like you're playing with those guys for two, maybe three years, and and you're only playing for the fall. So so you create a relationship, but it's nowhere close to the same as 
playing year-round on a team that you'll be with for three, maybe four years, and just creating those relationships, traveling with each other, like having different roommates. And I think those relationships we make within the academy system is ones we'll never let go. There's a particular coach who shall not be named that always says to me that he feels as if academy kids are not experiencing the privilege or the opportunity to play for the badge, play for the crest of the school, play, play for the community that the, the school logo represents. What, what do you say to that? I'm, I'm playing for the city. Like that, that to me is like the coolest thing ever. What what about okay? So let's say that you, so you didn't make the sit like St. Louis, this yeah, area where I was born and raised. I yeah. wasn't born and raised in my high school. Like I, I get it's like a certain area that you live in, but I could go move somewhere else in St. Louis and play for that high school. Okay, well let me ask the question this way. Let's say that um, St. Louis City doesn't get an expansion team. There's no stadium down on market, and the academy option is. Scott Gallagher, Lou Fuse, et cetera. Do you view that the same as, as uh, the crest itself? Is that just as valuable, yeah. you know, as, as City? You, you see where I'm going with yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I still say the same thing because it's still St. Louis, Scott Gallagher. I think it's just a, it's a, whole, it's a whole community all together. So high school is a little group, but yeah. Drew, how do you view it? We still travel if we're playing for Gallagher, so we're, we're still going places. We're going to Dallas or Florida or wherever. We're still representing St. Louis with our team, and I think that's just the coolest part about it. You come from St. Louis, go wherever around the country, and you just get, get to represent your city. Yeah, I think the high school experience for a lot of kids is amazing. Like, you get to go out under the lights and play with your classmates and your friends and just represent your, uh, your school. And I think that's really cool. But for me, I think making that sacrifice, missing out on that part of my athletic career and playing not under the lights, a game at noon with friends that you have great relationships with, with, with but, fans behind the fence? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the leaning sidewalks? Yeah. Um, no, I think you miss out on that high school experience, um, and you take a risk for something bigger than that. Can we I quantify think. this with goals? So, like, what's the goal here? Is the goal to play professional soccer, get educated, play college soccer? Uh, like, and is picking one or the other in your eyes potentially a better path to achieve said goals. So I, I think that quantifies maybe JB's answer a little bit. Well, I mean, that's a really good follow-up, you know, because you guys are now entering into the phase, and Grady, you're a sophomore. Beckett, Drew, you guys are freshmen, so Grady, you're a little bit further down the, down the road as far as, like, the future is coming up upon you quicker yeah. when you're faster. Yeah. Um, have you guys, through this process, are you measuring what you're goals are as it pertains to the game and where the game is its responsibility and where it's going to take you or where you want it to take you um i there's so many different paths that you can go on and i've thought about so many different things but i there's no 
clear set path for me because let's say I do go to college if I make college then maybe I play high school one year and I have that scholarship so I can play one year or I continue with a club team or I go straight to college or whatever I do it's 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 all like a it, it, there's no really clear set path for me how, how how far down the road are you looking drew I mean I've always wanted to play professional soccer since I was young since I was little playing at five years old my dream was to play professional soccer I think um, the best pathway for that is just academy I mean it's just facts statistics show that like professional players come from academies like I don't remember the last time I saw a professional player come from high school and I just think it's obviously the better well, path for me. I think high school is different now than it was because of the development of MLS Next and the different academies that have come around to the U.S. I think back then high school was the path for a lot of U.S. players. But now that MLS Next is a thing and MLS academies are coming around, that, that path is just... It, it puts you in a really good position for the future. I think for me, my goal is to play at the highest level possible. Like, pr Premier League's always been my dream. I remember going to Amsterdam Taverns as a kid and watching. Yeah. I, need, I needed a 12-year-old yeah. DD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go, going there and watching Premier League mornings, like, th there's nothing that beat that. And yeah. that, yeah. like... That developed the dream. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one more thing. Uh, high school is still, it's uh, it's awesome. Like, the opportunity for all those kids, it, it's cool. I think it's still cool. So, no hating on high school at all, obviously. Uh, obviously, I prefer club, but that's just my opinion. So, just want to throw that out there. Not hating on high school at all. I love it. Does that have anything to do with your mom being an assistant principal at a high school? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Zach. Where were you going? I want to go in a little bit of a, an interesting direction, well, interesting to me, which is you guys train five to six to seven days a week, and you go to school, but I know all of you are also high level at other things. Um, you have other interests outside of soccer, and I would love to just understand what you guys kind of do I don't care if it's Fortnite <laughs> or... Yeah, can we talk about that, Fortnite? No, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Haven't but, brought that up yet. <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, Drew, outside of soccer, what interests you? What what keeps you motivated outside of just training and then going to school? Choir, right? Uh, <laughs> all right, you play the cello. Um, <laughs> well, I, I like to play basketball, second to soccer always has been I mean it's been one of my favorite things since I was young and uh, unfortunately this year everybody's getting into high school basketball and I have to miss out because I'm playing for City five six days a week but I mean at the end of the day it's okay because I'm playing at the highest level for soccer and it's it's what I love I want to play soccer that's that's what I do it's what I love Beckett what about you um I live by soccer. I think outside of soccer, I'm thinking about soccer. I'm playing FIFA. I'm watching soccer. Or like, making smoothies. Yeah, or I, avocado toast. Yeah, that's. I love green cook. smoothies. I'm a great cook. I do smoothies. Like I do. I do everything. Smoothies are my go-to. <laughs> but uh, 
I yeah. like fruit by the foot. <laughs> yeah, for right. roll-ups, right? <laughs> With Grady, uh, obviously, corn syrup. Drew called you out as a cellist. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add to that? Uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, you know, I, it, it's. I, I've heard that, oh, that's embarrassing, but I mean... It ain't embarrassing it, at all. It's dude. not embarrassing to me because I'm passionate about it, you know? That's so, not embarrassing. Like, that's uh, give it to him. I mean, it would sound <laughs> like a, a hippo dying <laughs> if he played it. You, you can make noise. Um, yeah, uh, it's just a stress li- reliever for me. Um, well, focusing, it, yeah. On, well, yeah, let me, well, let me ask you, like, specifically, how important is it? To you when you play the cello to disconnect. Yeah, it, it's, is, is it it's, a Zen tool for yeah, you? Yeah, it's everyone has their thing. I think to kind of get their headspace right. Um, for me, it's always been playing the cello ever since fifth grade. Um, uh, this year, I joined like uh, it's called Symphonia, and I'm actually the principal chair for for the orchestra. So I sit in the front and I uh, kind of direct most of the orchestra and just kind of get things right set the bowings set the tone um stuff like that um but it's not because i want to be competitive in it though which is the difference between orchestra and soccer for me soccer i'm always there competing for orchestra i just do it for fun and it's just relaxing where'd you get this musical bone um where where did that come from do you think (laughs) definitely my dad (laughs) really yeah I know all these songs that no one, not not these two, I don't think. Maybe Beckett would know, but I listen. <laughs> We're a music so family. Some, yeah, yeah. Well, so guys, let's let's shift gears here. Let's uh, want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Golden Goose, the target, the visual representation of everything you're fighting for, working for, every day of training. When you look over your shoulders and you look just to the north through the mesh nets there it is city park uh year one obviously we all know that you know the team did what it did finished first in the west it was just incredible run you know we were all traveling on a lot of those you know the spring games when the season was starting you know in the hotel rooms and you guys were watching it as a team and watching it all unfold as in as as players within the academy knowing that you're kind of in the machine that you're working and, and training the same style as the first team and and you're in that that space how cool was it to 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 be part of and watch that the first season and the first team go ahead drew i mean it's just the coolest thing ever like you you grow up in st louis watching the rams who left but the rams the cardinals the blues seeing everybody else's favorite sport and then all of a sudden, soccer just gets put into St. Louis with a professional team. It's just the coolest thing ever. Walking into the stadium, knowing that this is this is my thing. This is what I want to. This is what I want to see. I mean, it's just cool. Yeah, I I think it's so cool on the weekends watching the games, watching the style of play, and then coming into training on a Monday and uh, watching the film from the first team and translating it into our training and. You can watch these players that play your position and look up to them and learn from them. And having coaches that have relation to, relationships with first-team coaches and just being a part of the club and the style is just amazing. Yeah, I, I'll add on to that. I think that's a really good point. Um, but the one thing that I actually think is really cool about it 
is just like the competitiveness of everything. Because even though we are at this spot, there is so many other players that want to get to this spot too. And just knowing that and having that competitiveness just makes makes us such better players. Like I think that's just a really cool thing to have. Motivation. Yeah. When what did you did you guys have any of you have kind of like a pinch me moment individually, you know, after training or after a game or watching the first team? Was there ever like, you know, we were we asked you earlier about that moment as a youth that you remember that was like, ah, oh, that made me love the game. Has there been a moment in the last year, year and a half in the in the academy experience that has done the same thing that's maybe ratcheted up your interest and love for the game that you can remember? I think uh, the red outs in the city stadium oh, before yeah. every game, Shit. they're they're <laughs> sick. So cool. I mean, to be a player and walk out onto a field with fans that look like that and are screaming, yelling for you, cheering you on. I mean, that's just that's just my goal. I mean, to Motivation. be out there playing would be awesome. The fans are awesome. Yeah. I, myself, a great fan. And, uh, <laughs> it's just me. Go yeah. ahead, Grady. Did you? Uh, yeah, I, yeah it's, just, it's just cool. I don't know. I, I think it's just awesome. Just the whole thing, the whole experience. Cool. And no one knows too. Like a lot of play, a lot of people, all the fans, we're just another fan. Like when we're at the stadium, so it's not like we're anything special. Yeah. When, we're, when we're there, we're just a part of the whole community supporting the team, and it's just it's. I love it. Well, it, well, let me ask you guys kind of a, a return question to out of the gate. Asked you about Soccer Dad Pod. If you listen, if you're familiar, etc. Whether you're listening or not, you do know because we talk about. A whole, well, 97 other episodes of names of guests that are kind of the, the, the foundation of St. Louis soccer. Um, do you, have you thought about or, or do, you, do you hear the names and do you realize kind of that you're the next wave of what has been here? When we talk about names like an Al Trost and we talk about, you know, even guys, you know, like a Brad Davis, you know, these are individuals that played at the highest level and, and they're all St. Louisans. What yeah. does being a St. Louis soccer player now that, you know, you're traveling coast to coast, north to south, what does being a St. Louis soccer player mean knowing who else did it before you? It's amazing. I mean, for me, watching Tim Ream with Fulham on the weekends, like playing against the biggest teams in the world, like it's just motivation. And then knowing that um, Tim Leonard coached a, a guy like that, like it's just amazing. Like being around these St. Louis coaches that have experienced so many different players and worked with them, it's just. It's so cool. Uh, I'll, I'll add on to that. Um, we are with history now. Like, it, like we are along with the St. Louis soccer history now. Being a part of the first U15 St. Louis City Academy team, first first team, 16 team, 17 team, second team, UPSL, all that. We're a part of that history now. And just, like, being allowed to – being able to carry on the history – just like keeping it going and it, that's just that's a privilege so i have a statement and, a, and i have my final question for now the first thing i want to say is I, I think i can speak for for jared and for jb in that 
the reason we do this show is we're proud of our kids. We're proud of you guys. Very proud. Proud of what you've done on the pitch, off the pitch, in training, in school, in your relationships. Is this your Tim Leonard moment? Nope. I'm not going to cry. But my question for you guys is, now that you've been through what you've been through with the academies and the different coaches and the different paths and all the different things, if you could go back and give yourself or a younger kid advice, like a seven-year-old birdie, a little roo-roo, if you could go back and give yourself some advice, what would that be? And I, I, I'm just I'm just curious because I think you guys have you guys have experienced some some adversity that most people at 15 years old have never experienced, and you've been through some amazing things. And so I'm just curious to to, to hear if you could give yourself some advice, you know, from uh, as a little kid, what would it be? Be the hardest worker every single time you step on the field, and don't take any of it for granted. Soak it all in and just love it all. Yeah. Love that. That's yeah, that's basically it. I think just take on every challenge that you can. You know, I think even when it's difficult, even when you fail, at the end you just learn so much from it. Like the ups and downs I've had through playing soccer. Like for me, I I was not a very good player until sixth grade maybe. And honestly, I was a little bit of a chunky baby. I thought you were going to say, if, if I could speak to little Beckett, I would say less nachos. Yeah. Fewer donuts. Yeah, I did love my bean nachos. Bean but, nachos, uh, baby. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I, I think up until that sixth grade year, I, I didn't really take advantage of, I, I didn't. You're a kid. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. No, nah, yeah. but like. That sixth grade year, I think I started putting in more work and just pushing myself to play the game I love. And that's when I really realized how much I love the game. And but, yeah. Well, let me let me ask a question because I, Beckett, obviously I know your story. I watched it in real time, but let me ask all three of you. Outside of training, outside of the three, four, five days a week, what are, you know, for, for anybody that's playing the game, you know, everybody has their scheduled practices. They pick up the soccer school or tech training. You know, all those things are uh, bought and paid for, right? That's things you have to do as a player at any club. Um, outside of the stuff that you have to do, what are some of the habits that the three of you can point to that you feel help extend the lead a little bit or accelerate your development and it can be as simple as rest or diet or anything other than what you're told to do what are some of the habits that you guys implement to help yourselves advance i think watching game film is a big one big one of them i mean it's just visual evidence of what you can do better what you did good what you didn't do good i mean just just helps your game overall can just improve on so many things look at your strengths look at your weaknesses just helps uh for me the biggest thing is rest with if i don't get like like i always try i always aim for eight hours of sleep every night and if i don't get that then if i get like seven hours of sleep i might have a bad training it's just staying consistent is also a big thing having a routine and going to bed at a good time, I think, is really important for me. Yeah, I think for me, my thing is I'm an early morning guy. So I, I'm up and I'm I'm going Making for... green smoothies. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I try to go for, Going a, for jog, a jog. Yeah, before school, and uh, it, obviously it helps with stamina and speed and whatnot. But mentally, I think it pushes me to have that growth mindset. Like, because sometimes I wake up and I'm not motivated. It's cold out, but I think when I do push through and go out and go for a little jog, like it just. I don't. I have a better training that day because mentally, um, I don't know. I just try to have that growth mindset and push myself to be the best player I can be. Let me ask you: You guys ever regretted doing a workout? Yes. Like, <laughs> like never worked out in your you life. You beat me like, too. Oh my god! Oh. I've worked out thousands of times more than you. Worked I just, out or yes. had training? Worked out. I was like made your to own. work out. No, I like to the point where I'm never working out again. That's what, ever. I, that's what I mean. Yes, I, I hate working out. Okay. <laughs> like, wh- what are you saying? Like, so Beckett said sometimes he's not motivated to get up because it's cold or oh, whatever. But yeah. every time you do that run, have you ever went, I really wish I wouldn't have done that run? Nah, because you just <laughs> feel so good afterwards right. that like pushing through, getting out under the cut, co- like out from under the covers and going outside in the cold like it sucks but afterwards it's like it just it's the best feeling because you're like yeah it's just all right guys I'm, i'm gonna pose the last question of the day here for you and this is a question that we ask all of the a listers you are now going to be in the a list group as far as this question goes and that is and each of you can define it individually um the it factor um you know, because we talk to pro coaches, D1 coaches, trainers. Ken Godat was the first one that we brought it up to. And that is, whenever you're watching kids play and you're looking for something and the kid then just stands out and they exhibit the it. And every one of these individuals defined it differently. It could be tenaciousness. It could be a skill. It could be whatever. But you guys are on the field often with a lot of really, really talented kids. If you were to define it, like by saying that kid's got it, what does that mean in your world, Drew? You go first. Who is the hardest worker and who wants it the most? Whenever I find myself having a bad game, I just turn to being the hardest worker on the field because I mean, there's nothing that can go wrong with being the hardest worker on the field. Let me flip the question for you. When you're playing another team, and, and it could be Team A, doesn't matter. It could be Chicago Fire, it could be Sacramento, whoever. And there's somebody on the other team that is just s- smoking in your eyes. And how would you define that player as having it? Like, you're looking at them, and you know that that kid has it. What is it that you're looking for in another player? Just who wants it the most. Same as my other answer. Who wants it the most? Grady, what about you? Kind of the same thing. Uh, Just working hard and showing, like, the passion for the game. Like, let's say we're up 7-0. There's most of the time you can tell by the other teams. Like, we played, uh, I think it was Vardar, actually. We beat them 9-1. But they did not stop. They kept going, every single one of them. They just kept going and kept pushing it. And although they didn't get the result they wanted, that's still work ethic. That still shows that they are willing to try everything they can to win. And I think that's also the goes for like individual. 
Yeah, I think um, just the game awareness, being able to read the game and just putting in the work to just, I don't know, I think having a great game is going out and working hard and reading the game and learning from it, learning from your mistakes and after you make a mistake, how you come back from that. Because I think that's what makes a great player is not the amount of mistakes, but how you come back from each one. Interesting. That's an interesting answer from three 15-year-olds. That's yep. not like a lot of the other ones. But a lot of the other ones that we've asked when we're talking about coaches and we haven't talked to a lot of active players, um, a lot of them had had a long time to formulate their question. And these guys are young bucks. Um, and, and they're specifically talking about an in-game, on-the-field presence. Yep. And, and, and I think that that answer, if you interview these guys in five to 15 years down the road, that answer changes a little bit or a lot for each three of them. Um, because I think it's more of an objective question that, like, I don't think we've ever asked you. We've never asked Zach. We've never asked me. We're not going to do it today. But, like, I think ours would be different. And I think we're looking more of a collective body of work answer. And their answer was interesting because although it was PC, it was – it was. It made a lot of sense because that's what they're trying to do day in and day out. Well, their answers were very reflective. They were. They were talking about kind of their own. You, you guys answered in a kind of a first person, like the it, the thing that you want to do as it. Um, you know, because when we ask these coaches, what we're asking them is, when you look at another player, what do they seven, do? ten, twelve, fifteen, or even in the Bundesliga? Well, for example, like uh, I forgot who it was. They were actually talking about Josh Sargent whenever he was a little guy, you know, at the club, and you know, I, I think it might have been Godi where he was like, Psh, "That kid had it." We just knew, you know, he was going down that path. But the cool thing for you guys is you're you're living in in the now. They're formulating you know, it. Yeah, you you get they can. you get the opportunity. Um, last, I'm going to give you an, an absolute last question here. Best player in the world, uh, go. Drew, who is it? Myself. <laughs> uh, wait, it. wait, wait, wait. You're Jared's son. Yep, that's, that's me. Okay, yeah, I that's got it. Uh, obviously, Messi. I'm going to kill you. Obviously, uh, Messi. No, Cristiano Ronaldo. Easy, <laughs> easily. Greatest of I all would, time. I would go, go Messi, though. Realistically, uh, I would go Messi. Well, realistically, who has more... We'll, we'll wait, talk who's, about... Wait, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> who is higher rated on FIFA? Oh, my God. We've had so many I'm debates. pretty sure Ronaldo's in 86 Bus and Messi's Okay, good job. See you guys. Your mics are off. <laughs> Drew, we're going to leave your mic on, man. You're not you're not nipping at each other. Gentlemen, thank, thank you, you very much for joining us. Uh, Zach, Gerald, thank you again. Uh, good luck, boys. We'll see you. Well, shit, we'll probably see you tomorrow night driving your asses oh, to yeah. training, won't we? <laughs> of course. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mellow Mushroom, for hosting us. We are on our way out. Thanks for listening. Follow, like, share, all that other fun stuff. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>